and welcome to the Total Sucker Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by one of the founding members of the Tyler Boyd fan club. <laughs> His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I think it's Brian Sharetta is number one. Probably Tyler Boyd's parents are actually number one and two. Brian Sharetta, three. <laughs> I'll be. Yeah, I'll take number four. That's fine. Maybe Paulie Ari- Paul Ariola's in there somewhere as well. Probably. Or, or Paulie Ariola, as I accidentally <laughs> just called him. Apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, if today, uh, tonight's result or yesterday's result, given that we're, it's now Wednesday morning, yep. uh, is any indicator? Yeah, Paul Ariola's probably on board the Tyler, Tyler Boyd hype train. Yeah. All right. So we are here to talk USA mm-hmm. 4, Guyana, nil. The US has opened the Gold Cup with a 4 0 win. Here's how I'm thinking of this 4 0 win. It was, in my head, the acceptable result, the one mm-hmm. that I wanted against a team that is as weak as Guyana. And then the performance is encouraging but not perfect. Mm-hmm. Is, that, yeah. is that a pretty good uh, level to be at for this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, if you go back to what we wanted, we wanted to see some kind of cohesive attacks, a very consistent game plan. Check not a lot of Yeah, not yeah. a lot of like individual moments, but more so sort of combinations to make the goals happen. Pulisic had a go at individual moments with a few elasticos and this and that. Yeah, I honestly think that is kind of the story of the opening 15 to 20 minutes is a lot of kind of individual, we got to try something. I do think there were some players who really wanted to sort of make a statement and show that this team is good. Yeah. And I think once they did kind of calm down and get into a bit more of a rhythm, then I think turn things not necessarily turned around, but got a little bit stronger overall. Yeah. Um, all right. Also, there were some moments. There was a 10-minute spell when things mm-hmm. didn't quite go the U.S.'s way. Guyana suddenly looked like the dominant team. I think as we'll get tradition. into maybe, yep. as is tradition, uh, why that happened later on. Sure. Before we dig into the goals, do you mind if we um, start with the with the starting lineup? Sure. Um, Pretty much what we expected, mm-hmm. except Jassi Zardes starting instead of Josie Altidore. Which we started to think was going to be the case earlier today. When I, We've talked about this before. We need a term for it. When it's just like little stories start bubbling up and it's like, oh, Josie Altidore, you know, he hasn't quite been as fit as we would have liked. And yeah. then there's stories about jo- like Jesse Zardes, like, is this his time to shine? And it's suddenly you start to wonder if maybe there's been some leaks about who someone's is going to end up starting this someone's game. Someone's been slipping that story yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. I first started thinking about this when I, I think I saw the full version of the Extra Time episode mm-hmm. that we were on. Um, and Matt Doyle was talking about like, all right, Josie has a history of getting injured in tournaments. Yeah. He's just coming back from injury, right? He's just got those 45 minutes against Venezuela under his belt. Mm-hmm. Why play him against Guyana and risk him pulling his hamstring in the first game when yeah. probably Giassi can get the job done? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's probably what Greg Berhalter was going with. And that's why we did not see Josie Altador yeah. at all today. We thought maybe we'd see him for a little bit at the very end. But yeah. I think... There was always a plan to maybe get Michael Bradley and Christian Pulisic off around the 60th minute. Because also, recently injured, mm-hmm. just coming back. Yeah. So that makes sense. Give them 60 minutes, then wrap them in cotton wool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I really, and then maybe just at that point, uh, it it comes down to like, do you want to give Josie Altador a little bit of a runaround? Or is it not really going to be that useful? Especially when you've got players like Weston McKinney, who's, it sounds like, got a little bit of a cramp at the end there. So you get him off, you get that, him a break before anything else happens. Is that great news or what? Because I yes. thought pulled ham. String. Uh, the mm-hmm. the quote afterwards from Behalter is he had a yep. bit of cramp. Cramp. If you don't, like, I'm not a sports scientist, but I know cramp essentially goes away. Yeah. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. a pulled hamstring, it's there for probably a few weeks. Yeah. That's in that, one form or another. That is definitely accurate. Yeah. But I I also am inclined to believe, not that I am a medical practitioner, but that 
Crab is also a warning sign, in my opinion, that like, oh, really? yes, things are like Isn't it a lactic acid buildup. Yeah, uh, yeah, combined. I don't know. There's other stuff in there, but I guess what I what I mean more so is like once things are telling you like I am in pain, yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily the best thing to be like. Well, whatever, I'll just ignore it and keep going, especially in the opening game of a uh, <laughs> knockout, eventual knockout tournament. And we're going to get into individual mm-hmm. player performances, including Western McKenney's, maybe later on in the show. I kind of want to dig into the four goals because a lot going sure. on there. But I also want to mention Guyana's performance mm-hmm. and contribution to this game sure i honestly thought guiana were going to come sit in a 4-5-1 and say here's a load of guiana buddies i dare you to try and pass your way through it they came and played a way more open game than i expected it made it a more entertaining game than i expected mm-hmm. and i think their coach afterwards said um uh, michael johnson the coach afterwards said they should be really proud of what they did and even with a 4-0 defeat in their gold cup debut i think i agree it was a a brave performance that actually had some nice flashy moments. Mm-hmm. Flashy is maybe a, uh, not a praiseworthy enough word. Some good moments of mm-hmm. soccer from Guyana and made the game nice and open. Sure. And kind of made it easier for the US in doing so. Uh, in the end, I think there's maybe also a chance that because Guyana kind of set up a little bit higher up the field because they did could, like, yeah. contribute numbers for the forward or commit numbers for the forward, I also wonder if maybe that's partially to, to, to explain why the US had trouble building up like in the yeah. first few, maybe 15 or 20 minutes. All right, yeah, that's fair. That's it's fair. Like, wait, you all were supposed to be sitting back and having like 10 <laughs> behind the ball. Why are you in our defensive third? I don't like this. But the flip side of that is then there's a bit more space to play into at the back, this right? Is With very Boyd true. and Pulisic and et al running in behind this is very true except kind of not the case for the first goal because it really is the united states having to move the ball around a lot to try to probe and find spaces yeah and in the end i i do think there are reasons to criticize weston mckinney for his performance tonight i think as is the case with a lot of players there's reasons to criticize them if you want to there are reasons to praise them if you want to yeah i am inclined to praise weston mckinney um yes his role in the areola goal to open this up in the 28th minute that's one nil usa areola because it's basically like the lead up to it is the United States works the ball around. It's like 14 passes or so. It ends up in another throw in for the U.S. They take uh-huh. that. There's nine passes. But it ends up with Tim Ream getting the ball in his left back position. And as we saw him do on a, multiple occasions this evening, sort of not really know what he wants to do with the ball because he's got uh, Paul Areola on the touchline. He's got Michael Bradley kind of more central. He's got like the ball backwards towards Aaron Long if he wants it. And you can see him just kind of be a little bit indecisive. He was the only one, right? Mm-hmm. Of all the back four, he was the one yeah. that he would sort of just be a bit hesitant in possession and not quite know mm-hmm. what to do. Yeah, yeah. and, and Weston McKinney is pointing at Michael Bradley saying pass the ball to him. Yeah, yeah. Instead, Tim Ream goes to Paul Areola. And it's a credit to Weston McKinney that instead of getting frustrated or instead of sort of adjusting to that, he makes an aggressive run down the line. Paul Areola plays him in. And that was the type of run that I think we were looking for from American players, at least in the first half. Well, we talked a lot in the preview about, because mm-hmm. Pulisic was the left center attacking midfielder and Ariola the left wing. We talked about we want to see a relationship and some movement between those two uh, to open Guyana up. Mm-hmm. It turns out that, like, for some reason at this stage of play, McKenney and Pulisic had temporarily switched sides, right? So Pulisic was right center attacking mid and McKenney was left center attacking mid. So we saw the combination between McKenney and Ariola that we had hoped to see mm-hmm. from McKenney. And Pulisic yeah. for this goal, right? That's good news. Yeah, and on the other side, it did seem like uh, Boyd, Pulisic, and Lima all enjoyed playing together. So they some did, good yeah. combinations through there. Absolutely. But yeah, in this one, it's a great run from Weston McKinney, as I said, because now suddenly you're asking questions of Guiana. You're making the backup yeah. a little bit, and you are pulling players out of position. Yeah, Dan's the defensive midfielder, and I think captain at that time mm-hmm. before Cox came on. He goes with McKinney, yep. right? So he ends up going like way out to the touchline. That opens up a spot where the defensive midfielder would have been. That's the spot that Paul Ariola is able to run into. So 
So McKenny's run out wide. Not only mm-hmm. receives the ball and he's going at people, he's opening up space by pulling central midfielders away from central yes. midfield. Yeah, that's and part of the point of doing this like positional rotation thing, right? One hundred percent, and to open up space for Paul Ariola to do things. Yes. And uh, in our preview, I talked about how one of the things I wanted to see was sort of. Uh, like for Paul Ariola to justify being our starting left winger for the time yeah. being, at least, or at least I wanted it to be that like that is his role until somebody and then it's Tim Ware to try and him. take it mm-hmm. from him in September, October, November. Yeah. yeah, and and I felt very concerned after these most recent friendlies. Yeah, I feel again Guiana grain of salt, but I feel yeah. significantly better now the, with the way Ariola played in this game because it wasn't just that he gets the goal here, although he does. It was. Everything we kind of come to, have come to expect from Paul Ariola. It was like tight control. It was a good ball in from McKinney. Then he makes a great run off the ball, receives it. And it's not even like a clean reception because the defender does get a little yeah, bit of a touch Dover to it. Just gets a toe to him. Mm-hmm. So the right back has stayed with him yep. after going up with him. Yeah, but Ariola's always just a step ahead of him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so McKinney plays. I can't say it's a perfectly weighted ball because Dover does get a toe to it, but uh, as close to perfect yeah. as you can with the little... There wasn't much room for error no. with the little space he's got. Yeah, and as you said, Dover definitely at least clips the yeah. ball, right? Yeah, Yeah, but but part of the reason why I think he's not able to control it more cleanly is it is a good ball from McKinney, but it's also the pre- like the pressure and presence from Ariola yes. puts him off a little bit. Scrappy, and then, right? He yeah. is a scrappy player. But then he, he gets the ball. Like It's maybe a fortunate first touch because of the deflection. It kind of deflects off Ariola, yeah. but then he, he knows exactly what he's doing and he buries that shot. He does. Mm-hmm. It's, and and it's, it's a bouncing ball, right? Which is yeah. actually quite hard to hit. And he times it. Doesn't he hit it as it like lands and just as it's bouncing up? So mm-hmm. he hits it on the bounce. If it's, this a make, tough, it's a tough technique. It's, if this makes any sense, it's tough unless you do it, in which case it's like the easiest shot to hit. I know exactly hits, what you mean. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's really difficult to pull off if you're not like used to it. But if you yeah. hit that ball, you're always going to get crazy amounts of power behind Let's it. Let's say, yeah, it's, it's easy to get very wrong. Yeah. But it's also easy to get very right yep. if you hit it, sweet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Soccer, what a sport. There we are. <laughs> yeah. Paul Ariola, what a player. What a goal. I uh, enjoyed that one very, very much. And that was it for the first half. It was. In terms of goals, there were mm-hmm. other opportunities. Maybe we'll reference some of those other opportunities when we talk about like, you know, analyzing individual players and what they contributed. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. I do indeed. <laughs> All right, but we get to halftime. 1-0. I'm feeling slightly nervous still at this point because, again, it's like with all respect to them, it's only Guyana, mm-hmm. and this should be more and more goals. Finally, the floodgates opened temporarily between the 51st and, say, 56th minute. Yes, and I want to get <laughs> you know to those goals, but I first want to say, like, I agree with you when we watched this game, like, like the first time through, that I was a little bit concerned about why it was only 1-0, but it did feel like for all of the lack of goals for the U.S., Guyana never really looked to me like they were like definitely a threat. I think Zach Steffen yeah. only has one save, and it's not till the second That's half. That's the second half. There's the, uh, the Harriet moment. Mm-hmm. You know, they take the short corner, and they've got Pulisic yep. two-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harriet was kind of an impressive yep. player, right? This is a guy that was at Reading last year. A few step-overs, he's inside. He nearly smashes it top corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you have those, like, that's it. That's those moments, it. and that's off of a set piece when the U.S. is a little bit slow. Yeah. And I guess that is, again, more representative of where my concerns were, is that I wanted to see the United States improve upon that half. I wanted them to see them come out, having figured some stuff out, uh, ways to cause uh, Ghana more problems and ways to kind of play themselves out of pressure more mm-hmm. consistently because I do think they struggled with that. The replay makes me feel even better about okay, that first half. I'll yeah. say that. Um, but the second half certainly left me feeling slightly more optimistic. Well, Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. gets his first international goal. This yeah, is the this is the goal that comes from a classic Michael Bradley ball, right? It's mm-hmm. the Bradley diagonal is yep. kind of what we call it. He passes from deep. He goes over the heads of defenders and lands onto the foot of a, like an onrushing player, mm-hmm. right? This It's a Bradley diagonal ball. It also, um, there's a nice little bit of interplay. The Ariola Pulisic hookup I was looking for, 
that happens down the left wing, right? Isn't it like a, I think it's an Aaron Long header mm-hmm. and Areola volleys it midair and plays a 1-2 with Pulisic, yep. drags a few players over because something's, ha- something's brewing on that touchline, drags a few players over, but then they switch it backwards to Michael Bradley, mm-hmm. who now has enough space to pick his head up and look around because those defenders have been slightly dragged out of his way. Yes. Yeah? Now, here's where I'll be a little bit negative, and I okay. will say that while I enjoyed this ball from Bradley... I'm not sure it's the ball that was actually on at first because if you go back and watch, you're right that the uh, Pulisic Ariola combo has created like basically a pretty decent size like like cavern and not not cavern. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for here? Like there's a, definitely a channel Pocket there. Space. There's a channel, channel that yeah, he yeah. can play through. He, could, he there's enough room to sort of plant a pretty good garden that could feed a lot of people. There you go. Um, <laughs> but in but in that space is also a space for him to play a like line drive ball into the path of Tyler Boyd. And what happens okay. is I think Bradley spots that. Oh, earlier you mean like he could have played this a couple of seconds earlier but I think yeah. he's taken a not necessarily a heavy touch but I think he's taking a touch to set himself up for it and then he sees it and then he has to take another touch to get himself into a position to play the ball and by then that line drive isn't quite on but I still think that might be what he's looking for yeah. but ends up dropping it over the defender so maybe I'm nitpicking here but it was a moment where I was like, ooh, that, like, if he line drives that through and, and just Tyler Boyd gets on the end of it and just taps it in, that's probably the prettiest goal we're going to see the entire tournament. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a little bit of like, I'm, I'm sure that's what he meant to do and lofted over the top of the defender. Mm-hmm. But there's still just that little I tiny think, part of me that thinks that one driven diagonal might have been a little bit more effective. This is, this is kind of a classic example of mm-hmm. where we're at, right? Like, if we're one of the best teams in the world, yeah. we do have a midfielder who hits that first time. It's a line drive and then someone's on the end of it and, and scores. Mm-hmm. But we're the team that, like, maybe needs the extra touch sometimes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and and Tyler Boyd then does very well taking that extra touch, yeah. slowing it up, then kind of creating a little bit of separation with a cutback and then a cutback, yeah. fires it in, far corner, still a great finish. It's, a because gr- it, it's an excellent finish. It's like yeah. rattling like inside the inside the far post, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He, but he also, low. I love that it's low. I love that it's low, but I love that he also takes it like – away from goal, then he cuts back towards the near post, then he fires it into the far corner. So it yeah. really does, I think, throws off both the goalkeeper and the defenders who are doing their best to deal with it. It's pretty good for the 998th goal in U.S. men's soccer history. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that that one or was that was it the thousandth, his second one? I thought that was the thousandth. The, south, the thousandth is the second one. All right. This is the 998th. There we go. The All 999th right. was right. scored with a nod and a wink by Giassi Zardes. How mm-hmm. about that? Sure. It comes off of Jassy Zardes' right eye socket. It does. <laughs> it's the most Jassy goal I've ever seen. It's the most Jassy Zardes goal ever. Do you yes. remember when he scored with his butt? <laughs> no, but I'm not surprised. Oh, I enjoyed. Just with his butt, maybe in the Klinsman era. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, I will say that we were watching the second half on uh, not Telemundo, but Univision Deportes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we always think it's Telemundo, and then we go there, and it's always not that. Decidedly not soccer, but instead something else. Yep. Um, and we we had to do that because the feed cut out on our uh, television screen. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was about. Uh, I'm. I have some guesses, and I think it pertains to the broadcaster who was hosting it, because uh-huh. no other channel was frozen except for that one. We also had uh, a message from our friend Jim, who was unable to sign on to Fox from many different uh, platforms and uh, pieces like software and whatever, oh, and, streaming wasn't and was told, like, maybe just wait and hopefully it will improve, which is <laughs> not what you want when you pay for a service. Thanks, tech support. Yeah, so, uh, Jim, commiserations, Fox, get it together. <laughs> Now, Jesse Zardes. Also, maybe get it together. Oh, but I bring I bring up that we were watching we were watching it on Spanish language because when this ball goes in, there was a series of jokes all referencing Chicharito, which yeah. I have to believe is his first goal for Manchester United, which he kicked into his own face. You didn't you translate this as um, mm-hmm. it was Marcelo Barbo was the color commentator. Yeah. I don't know who the play by play guy was on Univision, and I think the color the play by play guy asks, "How do you say in English Chicharito?" Uh-huh. And Marcelo Barbo says. 
I think it's just Chicharito. Pretty much. <laughs> that is pretty much the gist of that conversation. Yes, they had, they had, a few, they had some gems in there. I recognize, uh, what, Kamasa DJ mm-hmm. only from a Christian Polanco joke that you know, I've heard him tell. I think you made it Italian there, so you're okay. just even more cultured, but but sure. Um, yeah, so I we I enjoyed their their commentary. I enjoyed jumping ahead to Tyler Boyd's second goal, the fourth goal for the U.S., where the commentator initially went with uh, goal, and then he's like, no, 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 golasso. And then he, che- he went that way, which it was definitely a golasso. Before we talk fourth yeah. goal, can I go back I mean, to that side? Jesse Zardes' goal was also a golasso, let's be real. I mean, it was a— It was not. It, it was a goal. It absolutely was not. Goal eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> um, so— even though the finish is very accidental, like Sardis mm-hmm. literally knows nothing about it, right? It's an areola shot that deflects off a, like of a Guyanese defender and into Jesse Sardis' face mm-hmm. and, and then in the goal. He doesn't even celebrate, really. He's no. m- more concerned about his hurt eye, which I understand, right? Your eyes are delicate and you need them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's actually some decent play in the build-up to this, right? Isn't it this when um, Walker Zimmerman finds, like, gets himself out of trouble a little bit, finds Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Boyd... After a couple of touches mm-hmm. to get some space for himself, does the switch to yep. Paul Ariola, which I think is one of the one of the partnerships we saw developing in this game. Weirdly, was Boyd being able to play those Bradley esque like crossfield balls mm-hmm. easily as well as Bradley, but for doing it in a way that finds Paul Ariola in space. Yeah, I mean, I think it happens inside the first ten minutes for sure, and then happened pretty regularly throughout. Was yeah, usually it was Tyler Boyd looking for the diagonal for Paul Areola rolling up, running onto it. Sometimes it was Boyd to Areola and then Areola back to Boyd, yeah, which yeah. was an interesting combination as well. But I like it because it's, it seems... That what, I, what I want from this Bearhalter team mm-hmm. is because they have this possession style and they want to like pull off certain moves to pull people out of position. When I see an established pattern of play that works... I'm really that kind of gets me excited or at least optimistic mm-hmm. that things might be working, right? Yep. So Ariola pulls wide and if the defenders aren't all over there, he's definitely open. And then Boyd has the precision to hit that crossfield mm-hmm. ball. That's a big switch to someone in space. That's yep. what you want, right? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely what you want. That's why Ariola has enough space to get the shot away and bounce it off of a guy in his defender. And hit Jesse Zardes in the eye. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> those are things that definitely happen. Uh, Jesse Zardes doesn't really celebrate. Is definitely dealing with, uh, I guess, a, a, a pained right eye. Yeah. But, you know, I guess he's the goal is a goal. He's holding that. a tie like Rocky, right? He was yeah. indeed. He um, was I guess, indeed. Should we talk about Zardes' performance later on? Because yes. as I understand it, it's like a topic of hot debate. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we're even some people, US fans in the crowd, yelling things at him. Yes. And they weren't, well done, you scored with your eye. That wasn't the type of thing they were yelling. I don't believe they were. Should we get to the thousandth goal in US soccer history? I suppose we should. <laughs> yeah, it's from Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. It's a, as you said, golazzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's pretty much just that. It's it's another uh, Ariola bringing the ball down, uh, cutting it to Boyd. Boyd with another great finish. Uh, this one does, and I think it take another slight deflection. Maybe yeah. was going to be top corner, but still goes to the back of the I net. I think, yeah, the deflection, mm-hmm. rather than the deflection being the reason for the goal, I think the deflection makes this slightly less impressive. Because yeah. I did like a Hawkeye tracking the ball as if no one touched it, and it's going up a 90. Yes. Instead, it goes like... Roughly top right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the deflection made it worse. I mean, but you you, you can only uh, score the chances you take. So yep. Tyler Boyd, credit to him for shooting. Credit to Will Trapp, I would add, uh, because yeah. he comes in and I thought looked I thought looked fine, which is about what I'm willing to say about anybody in this game. Yeah. Uh, but in this, this goal comes from Will Trapp sort of, there's like a loose ball. It's I think it's basically like a partial clearance. People are running onto it. Will trap just one times it wide to Paul Areola. It's and a then, really nice like it's not a big diagonal mm-mm. so much as like a really nicely hit diagonal. It's just that, a decisive diagonal pass. And at pace, which yeah. is what you want, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then it's Areola receives, cuts back inside, lays it off the Boyd. So it's a nice little like quick combination, and that's all it takes. And yep. that's how quickly you can get that goal. Um, so yeah, Areola Boyd is definitely the bromance mm-hmm. that we've been looking for. Yeah, <laughs> between between U.S. Uh, attackers and Will Trap is. 
the Michael Bradley sort of replacement, right? Yeah. He's like, if you can't afford the replacement iPhone charger, like the Apple brand, uh-huh. and you get the uh, like the Target brand or, or whatever, mm-hmm. it's good enough it still does the job, right? <laughs> it's just you would prefer the branded product. That's how I'm seeing Bradley Trap at this moment. That's fair. Uh, well, I guess we'll talk more about Bradley and Trap later on as we get into the individual yeah. players. But first, we should talk about today's sponsor. Oh, yeah. Our friends over at Talisman Caps. Yes, Talisman Caps. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've heard us talk about Talisman Caps. They have a very specific style of cap. They right? do. It's not, not your average baseball cap. How do you mean? Um, I actually always struggle to describe it. But so you set it up. I feel like you've put me on the spot. I set you put it, yourself on the spot. I set it up for you to describe. <laughs> so how, it's like a bigger top. Is that it's a is six? That it's a six panel hat. I would six say six panel hat. That's it's, what I was about to it's, say. Uh, it's more. How should I say this? Like more fabric than I would say. Like I'd like sometimes you get like the really stiff, like almost like trucker mesh hat type yeah. of things. You don't quite get that. Instead, you get the fabric which has the nice embroidery in it. So it's it's well made. It's well crafted. Uh-huh. And uh, and then you've usually got the flat brim, which I think you can turn into a dad cap if you want, there or you go. can just go ahead and order the dad cap. And if you, you mentioned prefer that. You mentioned the embroidery. Mm-hmm. Um, the some of the images they have mm-hmm. in the embroidery is what gets me really excited about Talisman Caps. Right. They have these iconic player um, images, and they've just released a new line of U.S. Women's National Team iconic player images. They certainly have. So you've got uh, – they already had Mia Hamm. They already had Brandy Chastain. Yeah. To that, they Brandy have Chastain a- doing the shirt-off celebration mm-hmm. after winning the World Cup, right? Indeed, indeed. Uh, to that, they have added the likenesses, we believe, of Brianna Scurry. Uh, yes. I, that was the – I think that's not the legend cap. That's the Mia Hamm cap. Uh, uh, but you've got Brianna Scurry. You've got, we think, a Michelle Akers Mufasa cap. Mufasa, which is apparently what they used to call her on the team because she had, we think. The big mane. The big mane. Mm-hmm, the mullet mane. And I guess Lion King was big at the time, right? That makes sense. And I guess it's about to be big again because <laughs> history keeps repeating itself. Correct. Uh, <laughs> and then they've got the Megan Rapino, the Rapinho. With yes. Rapinho. I don't know how you do that one put, with an put, H in there. Yeah. They put a little Brazilian on it. E. Um, and I like this. Rapinho's. Kneeling. Yep. Yeah. I like it. It's a, it's with a the pink hair. And, I th- wait. Yeah. Pink hair on that yeah, one too, with, with White hat, pink hair. hair it it is works. very recognizably Rapino. I love this cap. I do too. Yeah. Uh, yes. And that's probably the next one I'm going to go for, I think. Yeah. I do enjoy that one. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you've got that. And then they do have, uh, in addition to those new offerings, they've got polos now. They've got uh, Talisman caps. Oh, polo. Like yeah. T shirts? Mm-hmm. Polo caps. Polo. I don't shirts. know what a polo cap would be. Polo, polo shirts. shirts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Polo caps? I don't know much about caps. Stop being so English. Um, yes, polo shirts, like with a collar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got the embroidered uh, different like symbols for the different clubs on there. So you've got Spurs, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, and the 1994 World Cup, if you want that route Ooh, as well. I, I think there's do. one from Minnesota, too. Talisman have a lot of 94 World Cup looking mm-hmm. stuff, and I, I like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw one of the capos for the... Uh, uh, American Outlaws in this game, I'm pretty sure it was Rocket a Talisman Cap. Oh, because they're from uh, St. Paul, mm-hmm. right across from Minnesota. I actually don't know where the Alliance uh, Stadium is. Minneapolis. Alliance Field. Is it in Minneapolis? No, I was just laughing that you said St. Paul right across from Minnesota. The, the mistake you always oh, try to avoid. Me. Damn it. You, you knew what I meant. <laughs> I do. Everybody knew what I meant. Yep. I don't know which city the stadium's in, but obviously everybody around there, St. Paul and Minneapolis, mm-hmm. big into Minnesota United. Big into the U.S. National Twin team Cities, tonight. man. Just say Twin Cities and you're good to go. Everybody in the Twin Cities uh, <laughs> was really excited. Yeah. Yes, and <laughs> if you're excited about Talisman Cap and you want to be even more excited, then you can get 20% off an order. Oh, yeah, you uh, Minimum of $35, which is the price of one hat. Yep. But you can get 20% off that order with the 
promo code total soccer 20 so that's the words total soccer and mm-hmm. the numbers two zero that is correct that will get you 20 percent off any order of 35 dollars or more we'll put the talisman caps link in the show notes so you can click on it take a look for yourself all right so we've talked about the goals uh we talked a little bit about kind of the some of the strategies, some of the tactics that we saw, not a lot of that because, again, Guyana, Gold Cup, opening round. We'll get into that maybe later on as we go on. Yeah. But right now, let's talk some individual players, maybe. Does that work for you? Yeah, actually, before we do individual players, maybe we should talk about that that 10 minutes when Guyana sure. seemed to suddenly be in charge mm-hmm. of the game. Because that, to me, is the most worrying spell of the game. Yep. It's good that we got through it without conceding, and then we kind of ended it by scoring. Mm-hmm. So we weathered that storm against, but against Guyana, mm-hmm. right? So... How is it that for about 10 minutes, maybe eight minutes when you measure it out, Guyana looked the better team? Um, I think it's, it, it's a combination of Guyana. That's the kind of sequence when they really started to be a yeah. little bit more aggressive. Like 18th minute to, to about, 25th minute or so? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's Guyana. I think it starts with the United States kind of giving the ball away fairly cheaply. It allows for a counterattack from Guyana. And then I think once the United States comes under pressure, especially the kind of more defensive players, I yeah. think that is where you saw some of their passing ability dip just a little bit. Because oh, so I, Zimmerman like, tried to mm-hmm. force that ball, was picked off. Yep. We get away with it. And then Lima, Lima tries to mm-hmm. force a ball to Bradley, gets picked yeah. off, and we just about get away with it. Yeah, and in, I think... In the British sense. And, indeed. And then I also think that because the attacks from Guyana were so intermittent, when they would come, especially direct attacks, usually from the champions, Channels, there tended to be moments of indecision from the center backs. There was a couple from Aaron backs. Long. There's yeah. a couple from Tim Ream where there's kind of waiting to see who's going to make a play on it. Is Zach Steffen going to come out? And in this uh, instance, Guyana almost get a chance in the first half when Tim Ream kind of hesitates. They're not able to quite get on the end of it, so it doesn't really lead to anything. Yeah. But it does make you wonder against stronger opposition or maybe a more coordinated press, a more dedicated press, yeah. how does the United States like handle Chile's? that one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, these 10 minutes suggested to me that... As you just said, the U.S. could be susceptible to a pressing team. Yep. I don't think Trinidad, next opponent on Saturday, is going to be that team. I don't think Panama is going to be that team. Mm-mm. But we may face that team uh, somewhere in the future. Yes, uh, we, we may. And I think we may also face a team that knows how to isolate Michael Bradley. And I think that also could be an issue. Because okay. it did seem to me like we didn't see Bradley drop in between the center backs nearly as much, if at all. Uh, it's a, certainly not nearly as much as we've seen in recent history. Yeah. Uh, he's, he tended to stay a little bit further forward. and I think Which I liked. I love when the, the pivot central midfielder is ahead of the center Agreed, yeah. 100%, because it's the pivot. He yeah. should be. Um, but I think also that allowed him to be an outlet, usually for Tim Ream, occasionally for the other center backs, occasionally for Nick Lima, any other midfielders who dropped in. I think Bradley was there as an outlet fairly consistently. But mm-hmm. in this one passage of play, or these couple minutes, I think Guyana did a good job of sort of swarming Michael Bradley as soon as he got the ball, but also almost inviting that pass to him by cutting off everything else, and then yeah. it's kind of Bradley isolated. And that is an issue. I, I enjoyed a lot of what I saw from Bradley, but I, I did see those moments of, yeah, maybe like when he's isolated by himself in the middle is not the best situation for Michael Bradley. So what do we do in that situation in the future? Do we not give it to Bradley? Do I, we start looking somewhere else? I think it probably needs to move faster. I think a lot of yeah. that was when we did see a couple extra touches, a little bit of a hesitation to play the ball forward, and then mm-hmm. eventually it was sort of like the one that stands out. I'm not just trying to pick on him, but the one that stands out was Tim Ream waits and waits and waits, doesn't really like his options further forward, and then I think comes under pressure and is basically like, okay, you have the ball now, and you figure it out because yeah, yeah. you're Michael Bradley and I'm I not. I can't be trusted with this. Yes. Take yeah. it. And so, but I think if, <laughs> if you 
increase the decision making just a little bit if you increase the kind of speed of those decisions i think maybe then you don't have quite as many moments where michael bradley is swarmed or isolated or forced to kind of play his way out of trouble okay i want to switch to a positive then sure because yeah bradley under pressure when mm-hmm. guyana pressed and ream under pressure and our center backs under pressure when guyana pressed looked a little shaky in possession mm-hmm. when they um were High up the field still, or high-ish up the field, like over the halfway line, but not applying direct pressure to us and mm-hmm. trying to just close things down. I actually think the US did a really good job of bringing the ball out of the back and finding space. And I think the credit for that goes mostly to Walker Zimmerman and Michael Bradley. Yep. I think those were the two guys. Zimmerman especially was really confident carrying the ball forward. Um, and then someone like McKenney or Pulisic or Boyd would manage to like get open and find a little passing... Uh, like a channel mm-hmm. that's open and get the ball off of Walker Zimmerman. If that wasn't on, Bradley was always showing it like a diagonal angle. So it was at least forward progress when he received the ball. And then Bradley would either turn and play it forward mm-hmm. to McKennie or Pulisic or Boyd or Areola or Zardes, um, or he would just sort of lay it off back to Zimmerman, but not in a we're back where we started type situation, right? Because mm-hmm. Zimmerman would play it, he would move forward, Bradley would lay it off, yep. and we've at least advanced 10 yards and got Zimmerman farther up the field, and then maybe he's got better passing options from there. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it, we talked about it a little bit in the Richmond Kickers Weekly show that I think we have not yet put out, will come out tomorrow, but yeah. it's one of our frustrations with that team is that it tends to be a lot of pass it to the, the holding midfielder, it goes back to the center back who passes it to the holding midfielder, and it goes back to the center back. And we're either back where we started yep. or maybe five yards farther mm-hmm. backwards. But, but Bradley, Bradley did very well, especially when, with those balls in from Long and Zimmerman, uh, that when that ball was coming into him, he would check and make sure, and then he would back up a couple yards, maybe three yards, maybe five yards, and then he'd receive it, and that allows Zimmerman, as you said, to kind of step forward a couple more yards. Then he can lay it off square. Zimmerman can run on, but it allows for patterns of play. Even in the first like two minutes, I think we saw Zimmerman take a touch wide, plays it into Bradley. Bradley takes a touch, turns, plays it down the line for Lima. And the yeah. United States has effectively played out of pressure and played themselves into an attacking situation. And I also I want to credit Greg Berhalter with the team selection tonight mm-hmm. for the centre-backs, right? The centre-backs is the thing we had no idea about. Is it Miazga? Is it Omar Gonzalez? Is it Aaron Long? Is it Walker Zimmerman? Mm-hmm. He selected Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long. And I think it's the correct pairing for this game because Zimmerman is maybe the best of all of them in terms of... Uh, carrying the ball forward and passing the ball forward. Mm-hmm. Miazga might give him a run for his money, but I think Zimmerman has has the edge slightly. Again, I would say grain of salt with all of this. I, I still go back to like against Guiana when there's the slow press and then he comes under pressure, but even then it's just one like 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 player for Guiana stepping to Walker Zimmerman. He yeah. can kind of hold that player off and still play a pass. A more coordinated system that blocks off more angles and maybe puts yeah. him under pressure more readily with more numbers. That's where I get nervous. But that's why I'm saying it's mm-hmm. the correct choice for this game. Okay. Knowing we'd have the ball and knowing that you would want the centre-back to be playing passes forward, I think Zimmerman is definitely the correct choice uh, for this game. Fair. And then Long, I think, can do the same. We saw it a few times. We just didn't see it as much. But the thing is, he's probably the fastest of all those yeah. centre-backs. So if there were any uh, Guianese counter-attacks, Long is there, was there to cover anything that might have happened. So mm-hmm. I think we got the selection right in terms of the centre-backs. Not that it's our strongest centre-back pairing going forward, but it was right for this game. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, to your point about Zimmerman being involved, getting forward, I also saw Zimmerman as like a delayed attacking option on a number of occasions where he would, yeah. similar to what we've been seeing with the U.S. women's national team, where like suddenly, it's usually not Abby Dahlkemper, it's usually her other centre-back partner, but occasionally it's Abby Dahlkemper being like 30 yards from goal. Mm-hmm. There were moments when we were both like, wait, who has the ball? Wait, is that Pooley? Yeah. No, it's, it's Walker Zimmerman, who had like driven forward and then would sometimes look to cross or sometimes just look to like combine. But I think adding another body in when Guyana did get a bit more defensive and a bit more compact 
it's just another body in there that now they have to deal with and maybe somebody steps out to get to him, but that opens up some space. Yeah, he's almost the extra central midfielder. Mm-hmm. He got so far up the field. He's at yep. least level with Bradley, right? So in some ways, he's doing the Nick Lima role mm-hmm. in terms of joining Bradley in central midfield. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of consistency and like overall performance, he might be my second best performer in this game. Who would be? Tyler the- Boyd. Of course it's mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd. Do you want to and talk about Tyler Boyd? Paul Ariola, probably third. All right. Um, do you want to go Tyler Boyd or do you want to go Michael Bradley? Because I have a couple more things to say about Oh, Bradley. I thought we were done with Michael Bradley. No, because my note on Michael Bradley uh, is that basically with Michael Bradley, I've come around to the idea that with him, you see what you want to see. And if you're a person who does... It He's really, a Rorschach test of a footballer. Uh, kind of, I guess. Yeah. yeah because like, I, I thought he had a very good game. Yeah. I did. I, like, after the first watch, I enjoyed what I saw from him. I thought he did everything that we want to see. Yes, there's a few wayward passes. So then when we get on Twitter, which is always a mistake, oh, so we much... we have to talk about what people are saying on Twitter about Michael Bradley? I'm not even sure it's worth giving those people the time, honestly. Only in the sense that I then, when we went back and rewatched, I, I wanted to watch Michael Bradley with a more critical eye. And okay. when I did, there are definitely flaws. There are yeah. definitely deficiencies. I mean, didn't we talk about them in terms of when Guiana pressed, he was much less comfortable in possession and didn't get himself out of trouble and got himself in trouble a few times? That's one thing we talked yeah. about. But I also saw plenty of moments when he does sort of just give the ball away when he has bad passes. I think you saw the rust on him when he would try to play an incisive pass forward and it would be cut out. Or there were times when he would try to play a lateral pass and it would be cut out. And I definitely saw... The first one's forgivable. The second one's a bit rough. I mean, it's forgivable to a point, but if you're trying to play a ball in to make something happen and it gets cut out and it leads to a counterattack because your team is exposed, less forgivable. And so, like, I, I do think that he's a player who, if you're looking for him, if you do not like Michael Bradley and you think he's not good enough and you don't want him there, you will find evidence to believe that. But it does force you to overlook moments like when he plays that ball in for Tyler Boyd. Yeah, the assist when for he, the second goal. Yeah, yeah, when he commands the midfield, when he makes smart plays. There's even the one where they, they're on a counterattack. It's when Weston McKinney, I think, plays a great ball in and then sprints back 70 yards to end up winning the ball. Yeah. But part of the reason why he's able to do that is because Michael Bradley sprinted back 70 yards yeah, to, yeah. to slow down the counterattack. And in classic Bradley style, mm-hmm. didn't make a big defensive play and nope. win the ball. He kind of... Uh, used body shape and shepherded pressure yeah. this way and that way and I don't like that I'd rather have a midfielder that just wins mm-hmm. the ball but it did give me that moment gave me some hope in the bradley McKenney partnership as a defensive structure because yeah. in the defensive 4-4-2 which we weren't in that often um, it's McKenney and Bradley partnered right mm-hmm. so maybe like the old man who understands geometry more than he understands tackling versus the young guy who will really go flying about and make sure to stick a foot in is that, that is that the sequel to Old Man of the Sea? It is. Okay. <laughs> that at least works against Guyana. I don't know if that works against Trinidad and Panama. It might. Mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't work against Brazil. But it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it gave me some hope that that might be a decent central midfield partnership. Yeah, okay. I'm good yeah. with that. But so, and, and I enjoy Weston yeah. McKinney being in there as well. I don't want to talk about him too. Yeah. But I just want to conclude with saying that like, so to the people who are really frustrated with Michael Bradley who don't think he's good enough, I saw moments in there that like I can understand to some extent why you feel that way. But I, I kind of wanted to do it to make myself feel more confident in the end that, like, yeah, but he is still the best player at that position for the U.S. right now. Yeah. So I understand, and I understand why you're going to continue to be frustrated. But I also do think that that is, to some extent, a choice that you're making to see the negative and not see all the other kind of strengths he brings to the equation. Yep. End of story about Michael Bradley. End of story about yes. Michael Bradley. Um some people want it to be the end of the story about Michael Bradley. Yeah. He's, he's going to play through this tournament and probably do a lot of very good things. Well, he, he was yeah. wearing the armband until he stepped off, I believe, and then I think Will Trapp puts it on. He was. Oh, that's interesting. We talked about mm-hmm. that in the preview, right? We didn't know who the captain was going to be. First competitive game, first tournament game, it's Bradley with the armband. Mm-hmm. Not a surprise, not the wrong choice either. No. Okay. I want to talk Nick Lima. 
Let's do it. I thought Nick Lima was excellent. I think he lived up to your prediction, which is that maybe the universe is telling Greg Berhalter that Nick Lima is his right back. Yep. Um, I want to talk about his role. Sure. Um, we mentioned that maybe Zimmerman ended up being the extra midfielder because he stepped in. Lima rarely stepped into central midfield in that like hybrid way that Berhalter has used him in the past. He was almost purely an ov- overlapping, attacking right back that allowed Tyler Boyd to have two-on-ones, three-on-two type situations on that right wing and also allowed Tyler Boyd to drift in field a little more and it would end up being Nick Lima who got to mm-hmm. the outside and got a load of crosses in. It was. Yeah. I have a question for you now. Yeah. And I'm, I don't think I'm going to allow you to say it could be both. It's a tough question. It's a really difficult question. That's why I'm forcing it on you. So I can buy you time if you want. Is this that Nick Lima basically, like, he was being used differently as, like, a just kind of more attacking fullback, a standard attacking fullback. Tim Ream, to some extent, uh, an attacking fullback at left back, strangely no, enough. No, he stayed home mostly. Oh, he got... No, there were plenty of times when I saw him as far up the field as Nick Lima. I think they were both getting no further No way! Forward. Lima was getting to the end line and crossing in. Ream never got beyond, like, 10 yards over the halfway line. Ah, I would, disagree. I would, I would disagree with you. <laughs> I, I'm going to find a heat map and prove you wrong. That's fine. You can do that, my friend. But... My, my question remains, was this Nick Lima doing a different job because it was Guiana and we were being a little bit more like, ah, we don't need to kind of put somebody in the midfield? Or, what, like, so was this a look against, like, a weaker team we're just kind of come play, uh, play a little bit more conventional? Or we heard, t- heard Greg Berhalter talk about how maybe it was too much too soon, there was too many tactical wrinkles, and it was maybe a little bit too confusing for the players. So is this a sign that maybe the United States is kind of getting rid of that right back, becomes a central midfielder, and instead, we're just going to go back to like four three three, some form of that, and we're just going to do kind of the basic things to start. So we'd have to ask Bearhelter, mm-hmm. but I think the answer is that because it's a weak opponent, mm-hmm. a weaker opponent, we were not going to be overrun in central midfield, and Michael Bradley could kind of handle being the sole defensive midfielder as we go forward. Okay. And the way to um, attack Guiana was to get the extra width on the right. So I think it was just if this is a case of where Bearhelter before the game decides. Do we do right back pushing into central midfield and keep the winger wide, or do we do the fullback um, getting wide and overlapping and uh, having an overload and letting the winger Boyd come mm-hmm. inside a bit? He made that choice. I think he's, I think it was a specific choice for this game. I think we still might see it. Uh, we still might see the alternative of Lima going into midfield when we play an opponent that has numbers or danger or threat mm-hmm. in midfield, and we need the extra numbers. You are probably not wrong, and again, I don't want to put like too much stock into a performance against Guyana, but it did feel like this was the most we have seen in the United States, maybe since the January camp. The U.S. players look like they knew exactly what was being asked of them. We saw yeah. a lot of movement off the ball and awareness of where they needed to be, which is not a thing we have seen recently with the United States having that kind of hybrid right-back center midfield role. And is it So here's the, the bad version of that, because I want to be optimistic about this. I want to say the better system is working, mm-hmm. but the times where the system has looked really effective is against the three weakest opponents we've played. Yep. <laughs> right, Panama B team, Costa Rica B team in January, and then Guyana here in the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but that was playing different systems, right? Uh, well, this system being slightly different to what we did in January. Yeah. I mean, Lima to midfield mm-hmm. in January, Lima out wide uh, yeah. t- t- last night. Yeah, but against the three weakest opponents is when it looked like everybody understood the instructions more. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so I, I guess I hope that maybe then the understanding of the instructions continues to improve and they yeah. look fine if Nick Lima does that. But The next I, two games are big, right? For everybody in terms of do you understand the system when you're playing Trinidad and Panama? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I guess like right now I'm having a hard time shaking the idea that, yeah, when you simplify it a little bit more and a fullback is a fullback and they get forward and they attack and then people go inside because you have overloads on that side, everybody seems to kind of get that a bit more. 
like at least with a bit more fluidity than we've seen lately. But All we right. shall see how they improve. All right, lots more individual players mm-hmm. to talk about, including Jesse's ideas, because I know people will basically want to hear our take on, on Jesse's ideas performance. Mm-hmm. But first, today's show is sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress enough the quality of the products that Dollar Shave Club is offering. Mm-hmm. I think I've tried stressing it enough through all the ad reads that we do, but I can't stress it enough. Mm-hmm. They've spent years developing, crafting, and refining everything. They have everything uh, we use uh, to look, feel, and smell our best, which is important when we're in this tiny this tiny office. We do share 300 square feet, right? It's, yes. It's um, important to each other that we uh, look, feel, and especially smell our best. That's definitely <laughs> the biggest one, yes. Uh, and so you can use them for their shower products and their facial cleansers, so you know, your face smells good. I'm assuming it does, even though you're across the table. I Mine? can't quite smell it. But you're yeah. welcome to come over here and smell it. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they have everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth, and uh, yeah, and you know, even maybe take care of your nether regions if the situation requires. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, soap goes everywhere, right? Well, and also the uh, the one wipe Charlies and oh, things of that yes, nature. Oh yes, I forgot mm. about the one wipe Charlies. Yep, yep, I, yep. I still, I've been using them. I still have some. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. My, my favorite product we always mention is the prep scrub, mm-hmm. the one that you know you get you exfoliate with the prep scrub. I think we all already mentioned that this week so mm-hmm. no point going too deeply into it all right uh, but dollar shave club can get you stocked up on all the essentials they can indeed and right now you can put the quality of dollar shave club's products to the test their ultimate starter sets have basically everything you need for an amazing shower close shave or clean teeth the best part is you can try each one for just five dollars right now after that the restock box ships regular sized products at regular prices get your ultimate starter set for just five dollars at dollarshaveclub.com slash tss that's dollarshaveclub.com slash tss and again that link will be in the show notes so you can click on it easily indeed 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 thank you to dollar shave club for sponsoring today's episode where shall we go next whom shall we talk about next let's talk about tyler boyd the mm-hmm. big positive of the sure. night, right? Um, I know, so you had Bobby Walsher on the show. Mm-hmm. And I think you talked about Dwayne Holmes, but this applies to Tyler Boyd as well. That essentially, a lot of people were kind of excited about him because of highlight reels mm-hmm. and because of like a few minutes we'd seen here or there. I think this is the game. I know it's only Guyana. I understand that giant grain of salt that goes with it. But I think this is the game where we saw enough from Tyler Boyd to be excited about him as a U.S. men's national team player. Right, do you so agree? I do. So, But what was it specifically? Like if there was one thing that you enjoyed the most more than anything else? I think the, the fact that he's really fast mm-hmm. is like a real basic thing that I'm really, really happy about. The fact that he has great technique in terms of striking a ball at goal at least twice. Um, great technique in terms of hitting crosses, great technique in terms of hitting crossfield balls. But the thing that excites me the most is that he is one of the few players on the US men's national team who can receive a ball and sort of do a trick and then accelerate so mm-hmm. quickly that you can't even tell where one thing uh, begins and the other thing begins, right? Yep. He's got a way of like doing a... There were even a couple of passes where he received the ball and he just sort of opened his legs and let it run mm-hmm. through him. And then onto it, which yep. I think is like such a – it looks really basic when you see it, but it's actually the mark of a really quality player, I think, yeah. to be able C- to do that. To extend that one step further, because on a number of occasions, it seems like one of his go-to moves is like say he's receiving the ball from the left. He'll do the kind of step over the ball with his left foot, but then take it with the outside of his right or even let it run across and then take it with his right That's foot. That's an even better example yeah. because it's harder to do than the thing I just described. It, it is, but it also then with that kind of left foot feint, you can pull a defender in. Then with the acceleration he has in the first touch with the right foot, yeah. you can kind of create that. That separation and he did that pretty regularly and 
I think to contrast this with something, there are a lot of players I've been frustrated with uh, for the US. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Roldan and uh, Georgi Mihaljevic being examples in the in the most recent friendlies, where they will receive the ball and it will take them one, two, three touches to receive, look around, turn around. Mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd sort of already knows what he's doing before he receives the ball. So the first thing is to throw off the defender, and the next thing is to get past the defender. He's already decided that and executed mm-hmm. it so quickly that now the defender is behind him and looking panicked. Yep, and <laughs> and and I enjoyed all of that. Yet, my favorite thing was his tenacity is the word I'm going to go All for. Right. I love that even with the United States 4-0 up, even having already scored a brace uh, in the 86th minute, I think, he thinks he should have gotten a ball from Georgi Mihailovic. Mihailovic kind of delays and ends up playing in the ball wide. Yeah. And Boyd immediately turns and has words with Mihailovic. This is the thing that we were excited about Dwayne Holmes mm-hmm. for, right? Because he set a higher standard and was mad yep. at, not to pick on him, but it was rolled down again, right? Yep. When he played the ball in, didn't control it. Holmes was mad. So raising that standard and setting the bar high, um, like in only his second appearance, yep. I love seeing that from Tyler Boyd. And genuinely, like I, I feel like that's, probably at least somewhat responsible for the like bond that seems to have formed between him and Paul Ariola. Yeah. Paul Ariola doesn't strike me as a not intense person uh, and, <laughs> and, and and Tyler Boyd the same. And so I think like just some of their kind of link up play, their willingness to just go at people yeah. and the expectation that the other is going to go at people. So then you can kind of plan accordingly of he's going to try to take that person on. I'm going to get myself into a position to benefit from that if the play comes off. Yeah. It seems like that relationship works really well and I immensely enjoyed that just sort of aggressive approach to attack. I think also of Tyler Boyd as extra Pulisic, meaning mm-hmm. it used to be that Pulisic was our only yep. skillful, pacey winger who could like go at people and really cause trouble. Like He's not the same player exactly, but I think Tyler Boyd is similar-ish in that he offers a similar threat that scares defenders. Yeah. So now we've got Pulisic centre-left and we've got Boyd on the right. Suddenly, it's not like there's one player you can mark out of the game. Now there's another guy who can really, really hurt you. I think we both, it, the like bright yellow shoes helped us make sure it wasn't Pulisic, but I take your point because yeah. there were moments when Tyler Boyd would do that sort of check to like a defender who was under pressure, would receive the ball with one-touch turn, like or would receive in turn with one touch and then play that long diagonal to Ariola or play like a line-splitting ball. And there were those moments where you're like, oh, that was Pulisic, right? Oh, nope, that was Tyler Boyd. And like, again, shoes helped with that one. But you're absolutely correct that there are similarities in those games. And it's uh, definitely a thing that makes me excited. He also seems, again, only Guiana, Mm -hmm. but he seems to have understood what Behelter wants of him in terms of uh, being wide when Lima's not there and coming inside when Lima is there. So he had a good link up with Lima. It was the one where he um, lifts that ball over the top Mm -hmm. for Lima to run onto. That was a a perfectly weighted pass. Um, The only downside with Tyler Boyd is that he's ruining the stereotype of all New Zealanders being really easy going, <laughs> which I think I got from Flight of the Concords and also from uh, Thor Ragnarok. What, what of the, what part of their women's national team has given you the impression that they're like, like whatever, yeah. it's Just, all fine. Yeah, it's New Zealand men that I thought were <laughs> there easy we go. going. Yeah, it's there not Rosie White and Co. They were not easy going. Not so much. In the best possible way. I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, another one, but you mentioned Christian Roldan there briefly. Let's yeah. talk about him for a moment okay. because I think – uh, we have been sort of on the outs with Christian Roldan. Uh, I'm sure he's not aware of that, mm-hmm. but that's how you and I have been feeling. And like I have struggled to fully explain why, aside from I just haven't enjoyed moments of his performances, some more obvious than others. But like there was a moment in this game in the 64th minute, which was kind of the best example I can give of why I don't love Christian Roldan. Okay. And it was that the United Se- States— Seattle fans either 
plug your ears up or listen closely. It's one or the other. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's, it's like the United States are on a counterattack. They have this opportunity where I think this is another moment when Tyler Boyd, I think, gets a little bit frustrated because I think it's Paul Areola plays the ball to Christian Roldan. Paul Areola makes a run off the ball, ends up getting it back, but it's played a little bit wide. So he ends up having to cross it in. It doesn't quite come off. I think Giassi's artist can't quite get to it. Yeah. And so it all seems okay. And I think Zardes does get to it, but doesn't do anything with it. That checks out. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Um, but so we went back to rewatch this because we were wondering, like, could the ball from Roldan have been a little bit better? And with the way the defender is, maybe it could have been, but that's a little bit nitpicky. But I think the thing I realized is that it's not that ball. It's that that's what he was always going to do. As soon as Areola played him that ball, his first touch is back towards Paul Areola. Yeah. His second touch is a pass to Paul Areola. And what could possibly be wrong with that, Taylor? He asked knowing full well what's possibly wrong <laughs> yeah, with that because no, I've seen the tape. Yeah, knowing that Weston McKinney is standing wide open and sort of being like, please play me the ball, please play me the ball. But because Christian Roldan never changes his body shape. He never opens up to see the whole field and never checks before he receives the ball. Jesse he has no Zardes idea. also yep. wide open and mm-hmm. between two defenders. Yeah. And then Weston McKenney wide open and yep. between two defenders. Mm-hmm. So there were two... He would have, if he turned around or turned as he received mm-hmm. the ball, Christian Rodan would have had two options to play either Zardes or McKenney, literally in on goal with one pass. And yeah. I say this with... All modesty in terms of my own football inability, I could have. There was enough space. I could have played either of those passes. Yeah, a hundred percent. I couldn't have done the turn that Roldan couldn't do, but I'm not trying to play international football. You might have been able to. You <laughs> might have been able to. Um, and like, and again, this probably sounds nitpicky, but it's I'm nitpicking when I say the reason why Paul Areola is like the number three performer for me is because he has that one moment when he cuts it back and has the cross. We think was a cross, maybe it was a shot, but he just he almost puts it out for a throw in and. In that moment, it was a good build-up play, and it's a good good idea from Ariola. But the execution, I can never shake that moment of like, but against a better team, that might be the only chance we yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. And you can't cross it out for almost a throw-in. Mm-hmm. And here with Roldan, it's not necessarily wrong, the pass he ends up making. And it's not 100% like, oh, that was such a terrible pass. That was obviously not the right ball. But you want to see him look. You want to see him evaluate other Check options. Your shoulder. Because that's what you have to do when you're playing a better team and you get that one counterattacking moment. It can't just be, here's the ball back to you. Now you go do something. Because a better player, Tyler Boyd, mm-hmm. checks his shoulder, would receive the ball and sort of in one motion turn, and then he'd really quickly be able to play that yeah. pass to McKenney or that, plas- that pass mm-hmm. to Zardes. And Roldan doesn't do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's, it's just, it slows everything down, slows down the speed of play because it takes him three touches to get the ball out to Areola, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and so, like, to, I guess to bring it home, or at least this part of it, yeah. like I, I don't have any animosity towards Christian Roldan. He's going to continue to be in the squad, so yeah. it's a fool's errand to be annoyed by that. He's the backup to Weston McKinney 100%. as the centre-right attacking midfielder, the 8-10. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Weston McKinney, who w- was limping at one point, and we were both wondering maybe yeah. that means Christian Roldan. And, and, and that would be fine, but I, just, I guess what I've been trying to figure out is why is it that when Roldan comes on, I'm a little bit like, ugh. And not like, okay, here we go. And I think that's my answer. The 64th minute uh, nails it. Let's talk about Weston McKinney. Sure. Because his performance really divided people. It was a polarizing one. It was a polarizing one. And I think the answer is you don't – things can be two things. You don't Mm -hmm. have to pick he was magnificent or he sucks and he was terrible. Mm -hmm. He kind of was a bit of both, right? There were some excellent passes from McKinney. There were some excellent uh, midfield wins. Mm -hmm. There were also some wayward passes and some missed tackles. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think it would be very hypocritical of me to have said what I just said about Christian Roldan and then be like, but with Weston McKinney, it's fine if he has some errant passes and fine if he has some turnovers. Um, and it's not. Like, I don't want to see him do that. I would like to see him sharpen up his game. I don't even know if there's a but coming because I, I did see those moments where I was like, ooh, like that's, it doesn't seem like he's quite on the same page as Bradley. It doesn't seem like he's quite as involved. 
and then he would have those moments where yep. he was very involved and did play passes that we I don't think many other people on the team could play. And here's what I think. I think this is very representative of Weston yep. McKinney's game. This is how he plays. There's going to be an element of risk when you play Weston McKinney. He's occasionally going to give the ball mm-hmm. away. He's occasionally going to like go chasing after a tackle that he can't get to. I think it's worth the trade-off for the moments that he provides, including, for example, the run and then assist for the first goal. But if he's, but he's given the ball away against Guyana, that means he's going to be giving the ball away a little bit against Panama and Trinidad. Mm. Right? He's never going to be the 100% completed passes player. Mm-mm. And I'm okay with it. I'll take the trade-off. I think I will too. And I think I will if you see him within the lens of a player like Jermaine Jones, who you know is going to have those moments where it's like, why is Jermaine Jones suddenly at left forward when he should be defending? Jermaine like, Jones, Weston McKenney's hero. Yeah, exactly. He was, when he was up and coming, Jones was at Schalke. Yeah. yeah. But, like, but it makes sense to me because they're similar players. And mm-hmm. if you game plan for that type of player, then it can be fine. Yep. If you're building it on this idea that like we have to have steady possession and we cannot give the ball away in the middle – then it's going to be an issue. Yeah, but like for every one of those moments where I I had some concerns about like like failure to complete relatively simple passes, he also assists Paul Ariola for that opening goal and finds space and finds little through balls. The one that we talked about where he makes the seventy yard run back to make the defensive play yeah. starts with a perfectly weighted disguised through ball that splits two defenders into an the on running oh, path of Nick Lima. Doesn't he do the Busquets thing on that where he like opens up like he's yep. playing wide but then he but then he splits the defenders mm-hmm. by doing that he opens them up and then plays the through ball. Yeah. yeah, so there were those moments from from Weston McKinney. You mentioned him finding space, right? Yep. I think this is a game where we again, it's against Guyana, but it's a game where we saw him understand what Berhalter wants in terms of always being on the move and uh, making sure that you get open in those um, attacking midfield roles and sometimes going out and switching with your wing. The thing that he didn't do with Jordan Morris, I keep mm-hmm. referencing this, right, where him and Jordan Morris were confused about when they should be rotating positions and when who should be going wide and coming central. He got right when he went to the left and yep. did it with Ariola. Yeah. Right? So that is a huge plus for me. That's a huge plus. Then there are times when he didn't go wide, and I also think those were pluses too. And f- as I've just spotlighted, 64 is the minute for Roldan and my criticism of him. The 57th minute is, I think, maybe my favorite moment of this game. It's the one that ends with Paul Ariola heading the ball just wide. It looked like for a minute he had scored because I think oh, it hits yeah, the yeah. side netting. But this is in a in the span of 15 seconds. It's uh, long to Bradley, to Pulisic, to Zimmerman, to Weston McKinney, to Boyd, across for Ariola to head wide. I love that combination. But in this like, sequence... Ariola's like wide open on the- the left because everything's been dragged over to the right and he comes like yeah. charging in at the far post yeah I yeah. love it yeah. and everything's been dragged over to the right because Tyler Boyd gets in behind the Ghanaian defense not the Ghanaian yeah Guiana yeah. Guiana defense Guianese. Not, yeah not Ghanaian Ghanaian different country <laughs> yeah. uh, that would be a all, tougher game yeah exactly yeah uh, the Guyanese defensive all slid over because Tyler Boyd is in behind they're all trying to cover him he pulls them in then he I think is always waiting for everybody to crowd over because he sees Paul Ariola running at the back post but all of that comes about because Weston McKinney puts himself in a position, gets into space to receive the ball from Walker Zimmerman, who has done what we've talked about. He holds off a defender, drives forward, plays the ball into McKinney, and McKinney receives the ball and turns in traffic in one motion and with a second touch plays a through ball to Tyler Boyd. And this is the exact opposite of what I'm talking about with Christian Roldan, where he's scanning and aware of the run that's being made from the outside, inside, how there's a possible split on, but it has to happen very quickly. The ball is going to be coming to him. He's going to have to turn. He's going to have a defender on him immediately, so that ball is going to have to be played quickly. And he does all of that in the space of two seconds, maybe. That's the type of play that I think does put him above other players in that position. Yeah, and that's why it's really exciting. Like, mm-hmm. now, this could be the story of the Gold Cup, is that this is when we all get excited excited about Tyler Boyd I thought it would be Dwayne Holmes it could have been maybe if he'd been fit 
Maybe we see him in September as well. So, yeah, plenty but, to be excited about. But here's the thing, Daryl. Well, it's Guyana, and we don't want to get too optimistic. So I feel like now's the time that we should probably talk about Jesse Zardes. Okay. Uh-huh. Apparently, Zardes got quite a bit of abuse uh-huh. f- uh, from U.S. men's national team fans. I yep. think I want to start by saying that's not okay. No. Like, Zardes is a, has his limitations as a player, and we're mm-hmm. about to discuss those, I would yep. imagine. Uh but he's still a guy who is working really hard for the U.S. men's national team, absolutely doing his best. You, he does not deserve to get booed or abused or hurled insults at when you're there to support the team. If you're there to support the team, you're there to support Jesse Zardes as well. Yes, yeah? and, and I think with that in mind, Jesse Zardes is a player, and we've talked about these players for different coaches for different national teams in the past. He's doing what's been asked of him. Yep. And, and there's a reason why Greg Burhalter keeps playing him. I there's don't, a reason why Klinsman kept playing him as well. Yeah. Coaches like Jesse Zardes. And there are reasons why. And, and those reasons, I think, were on display tonight. He works really hard. He runs a lot. He battles for balls. He doesn't give up for stuff. We saw him track back when he, he loses the ball. He sprints back 30 yards to try to make a defensive play. He's constantly working to get open. Yeah, and, yep. and, and so I saw some people like making the nepotism argument, the Columbus Crew, like uh, Berhalter loyalty argument, that, oh, I don't know why this keeps happening. And the answer is because he works really hard, and that's yeah. what Berhalter wants He's from a coach's favorite for a reason, yeah. right? It's not just that, like, oh, he used to play for me at my club, mm-hmm. therefore I love him. It's no, he played for my club, and I saw the effort he puts in every single week. I see the way he is with his teammates. Um, I see him listening to my instructions. He's a coach's player he is. in a good way. And I think... Every team has those players, right, where mm-hmm. fans don't like them because of uh, maybe technical limitations that the players have, but coaches love them because they'll do the job. I would agree, but here's my note on Jesse Zardes. Yeah, yeah. I get why Greg Berhalter likes him, but I also get why people don't, and in the end, I think it's, there's just not enough there. There really isn't for me, and I think this game was a, a number of examples why that was the case. And okay. so to bring that full circle, it's okay to not enjoy it when Giassi Zardes is starting. You can be frustrated. You can not enjoy what he does. You can critique his performance. Yeah. You don't need to talk trash. You don't need to boo. You don't need to be rude because that's not what it's about, man. He's still a human. You don't yep. boo a human. Don't boo a human unless it's deserved. <laughs> I mean, I can think of some humans, but yeah. Yeah, I'd boo some humans. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. But I just think Giassi's not one of them. Like, it's a, it's a strange thing because I cannot enjoy. I don't know. What's the best way to put this? Like, if I see somebody painting a car a very strange color, but they have been told to paint that car that color, I'm not going to yell at that person for doing what they've been asked to do and be like, that's a dumb color. I'm going to look at it as like, well, okay, he's doing it for a reason, but also maybe if his technique is poor when he's painting the car, then I have reason to be like, hey, maybe you should paint that a little bit better. (laughs) Which is to say that I do think there were on a number of occasions we saw – the downside of Jesse's artist. Okay, which let's, is, let's spotlight them then. What, sure. are the, what are the main moments? Because for me, most of them occur in the six yard box. I mean, yeah, but I think they're, they're, they're connected. <laughs> they're connected because I, I know what you're alluding to, but I would say for me, the thing that continued to bother me was the first touch. That yeah. even in space, even when he had time to turn, twice he had time to turn with nobody on him and his first touch took hit the ball into his other foot. Not in a, I'm setting myself up to dribble the ball with my other foot, yeah. but in a, oh wait, I need to stop and get my fo- feet set, now I can dribble again. I actually think the very best example though is when he sets up Tyler Boyd and Tyler Boyd shoots yeah. just wide. Mm-hmm. This I can't remember how the opportunity comes around. I'm hoping maybe it's uh, in your uh, It's somewhere. Tyler Boyd. It's Tyler Boyd starts it on the right-hand side. It's a long diagonal ball to Paul Areola. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and then it basically... The world's been waiting for. Uh, Ariola drives into the box. He crosses it, and then Jesse Zardes can't quite get to it. So then he settles so that's it. it. Yeah. So he's basically mm-hmm. in the six yard box, or just above it, right? With yep. his back to goal. Um, every other like international striker, a lot of just club strikers, mm-hmm. their instinct will be to 
take a touch that like sets them up to get a shot away mm-hmm. in this moment. Yep. Right? And I think a lot of players are very, very capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. I think Jesse Zadis' first touch is, what, it's like left foot into his right foot. Yep. I think maybe somewhat deliberately, but it's like pinballing around on his feet briefly. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around and sets it up for Tyler Boyd. Right? Yep. And I can see why, again, that makes him a good teammate. That makes him a good player for a coach because he hasn't killed the play. But also he's your centre forward and you would... If that's Josie Altador, he finds a way to take a first touch and bang a shot in the top right corner. It's the strikers. Yeah? It's the strikers' equivalent of what we're talking about with Roldan. That like there is good in there, and you can see what he's trying to do, and it ends up with him making an okay play. Boyd should probably hit this better. And it should have been a goal, but it's not what you want from your striker, yeah. and it's not quite at that level that it uh-huh. needs to be. Yeah, it's like sort of helpful but it mm-hmm. also could have been a goal yeah I mean that's, that's a great example the other one I would go with was I think 45 plus 2 uh, in stoppage time this is the Nick Lima get to the end line crosses it all the way back across Christian Pulisic as the header should definitely have done way better with this one doesn't even put it on frame so Pulisic's going for goal right he's yeah. not nodding it back down to Zardes no I don't think so I not think deliberately going, anyway not deliberately uh, but it ends up going to Zardes and then Jesse Zardes again sort of I think whiffs trying to hit it and then miscontrols it and then the ball gets poked away yeah. and then I think it's halftime and it's just those moments another are, striker like left footed volleys that past the keeper right? yes yeah. or holds it up and turns and just passes it in or holds it up and lays it off and then it's a goal but in that situation it's because that's what he was trying to do not because he whiffed the ball and then miscontrolled and then had to lay it off because nothing else yep. was on here's the good news yeah. is Josie Altador really is for me the, I mean mm-hmm. I'm wearing a Josie Altador jersey right now I'm a big admirer of his game I think he's because um, I thought he'd play tonight <laughs> I think he's going to if he's fit and starts I think he's going to score goals mm-hmm. at, at this Gold Cup it seems like he's from what I understand he's basically fit but they didn't want to risk him just yet and get him injured right we mm-hmm. talked about this at the top of the show yep. um, so the good news is we're going to have this team but with Altador as the starting striker yep yeah I can I'm now even more I was sympathetic before anyway but I'm more sympathetic to the argument that it would have been fun to see Josh Sargent as the yep. backup mm-hmm. uh, instead. But again, as we talked about, Zardes is a coach's player because of his hard work, and that's why he makes the roster. Yes. And that's why he played this game. And he scored in this game. I am I am relieved, genuinely relieved, both for him and for us as like a soccer team, that that was not the thousandth goal. <laughs> that it was Tyler Boyd's goal <laughs> was the thousandth goal and not the one going off of Giassi Zardes' face. <laughs> but he still gets a goal. Still in the score sheet. Any other players you want to talk about? Uh, let me th- I, I think I've really th- talked about Christian Pulisic. Uh, yeah, I guess we haven't, which is kind of strange, but maybe also understandable because not involved in any of the goals. Uh, and like had some like okay-ish to negative moments. Yeah. I think like in the one we just talked about, the long diagonal for Boyd to Ariola, Pulisic tries to make a play on it. I think only slightly too late realizes that Ariola is actually in a better position. I think if Pulisic had held his ground, stayed at the top of the box, that ball gets one touch squared by Ariola and Pulisic has a tap-in finish. Yeah. So I think I bring that up to say that I feel like that's a good example of him maybe trying to do a little bit too much. Yeah, and, but what I liked actually is, um, I didn't like in the first 10 minutes, I thought Pulisic was maybe trying to do mm-hmm. Christian takes on Guiana. Yep. Right? Um, I, but then later on, it seemed like he was a bit more like he enjoyed playing with Boyd. He enjoyed McKenney, mm-hmm. He enjoyed Ariola. Yep. And you saw him start connecting with people. I much prefer that version of Christian Pulisic than mm-hmm. Christian takes on the world. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I will say I, I do wonder because I didn't actually pay like strong attention to this, but I would be 
confident in guessing that he makes a few of those very aggressive runs and and ends up beating like three and four uh, players like in the very first like fifteen minutes or so. And I do wonder if maybe that's partially to explain why there's more space for everybody out wide is because uh, the players start kind of crowding in to make yeah. sure Christian Pulisic can't dribble through. I I also I'm a believer in the Pulisic in the left of center attacking midfield role at mm-hmm. this point for like the combo with Ariola. Like I think the can, space can be exploited yep. there and also. We didn't talk about this much because we don't defend much, but I think the defensive four four two shape we get into, mm-hmm. the Pulisic role is to be essentially the, the other striker, right? In the four four two, he's the two along with the striker. Yep. So if we ever win the ball back and go, Pulisic's already high up the field. If yep. you have him play left wing, then he's the left mid in that in that setup. Yeah, yeah. And there were times when we saw him even being that kind of support striker, dropping in alongside Michael Bradley to get the ball. Yeah, you can't do that if you're the left midfielder. You can <laughs> do that if you kind of have free reign to drift around. It is much more freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Including go wide if you want. Yep, go wide if go you wide, want. young man. Maybe other player we're talking about is Zach Steffen. Yeah, I was, <laughs> that was my last one I had in my notes. Yeah, one big save. Right, mm-hmm. there was. I can't remember when it was, but he definitely made that sprawling out save. Definitely counts as a save. Definitely yep. counts as a save. And there were a couple of moments. 69th when, minute, Zimmerman and Lima uh, both beaten. Stefan save. There all you go. right. Um, the, then there was the other nice moment. Nice only in that nothing went wrong. Where he had the ball basically mm-hmm. on his goal line. Yep. And there were uh, Guyana players up on him. And he chose the right pass. Yep. He played out of pressure, no panic, no passing it directly to the opposition, which is really like it's happened in the last two games. So there was always the fear that, oh, this is going to happen every single game for Stefan. So now he has a whole game with no horrible passes there out of the back. That's, and that's the dream. <laughs> it really is. Yes. So again, with all that said, grain of salt because it's against Guyana. Uh, we would like. But we to see did what was expected. We did what was expected. We would like to see uh, us do what is expected against uh, Trinidad in yep. our next game. Trinidad having lost to Panama. Yeah, they lost two 0 right? Yeah. So we're currently top because we scored more mm-hmm. than than Panama. Both have three points. Trinidad, their Gold Cup is on the line against the United States, right? If they lose this game, they're suddenly in a lot of trouble because only the top two go through. I mean, yeah, it, to, and to that end, like they kind of have to win, which is strange because you would think that maybe that means they're going to be slightly more attacking, but I also struggle to see that being the case. I, I have no idea. I, I guess don't, we'll find I out. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We also, um, we DVR'd the uh, Trinidad-Panama game so we can take a look at what Trinidad would do in when we get around to prepping for Saturday's game, right? It's like an 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, revenge. Revenge? Yeah, especially because we could knock Trinidad out of the Gold Cup. That'd be fine. Yeah, that'd be it's fine, not quite right? the same as being eliminated from no, the Gold Cup, but, no. you know. There's, we need a time machine Baby steps. <laughs> Baby angry vengeance steps. Baby angry vengeance. Have you got anything else you want to talk about before we, before we shut this podcast down? No, I think we've talked about plenty. All right. We'll start turning the lights off in this room then. Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. One last check at your notes. Anything you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, five more things. No, I'm good. <laughs> Very good, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to talk England, Japan, and Argentina, Scotland. 